special speaker this morning. And Doug, would you like to come up, please? It's a bit of a double act today. You leave the chocolates alone, son. Now, when I first came to this church six years ago, I came from your church, Linwood Baptist, where you'd been my pastor, and things have turned full circle, and it's good. (laughs) Is my mic not turned on? Oh, Dougie, you're, you're not turned on, bro. You can probably leave it like that if you want. Mate, what would you do without me? It's on mute. Mm-hmm. All right, speak. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Doug is one of my um, very good friends. In fact, I, I think of him as the grandfather I never had. And so it's lovely <laughs> to have you speaking for us, with us today. <laughs> um, but we weren't always good mates. Um, I recall, I think it was just after the earthquake where you, you were at Island, no, I was at Island Baptist and you were in Avonhead Baptist and all the pastors and church leaders were called together to think about, you know, what would the new world look like now that we'd gone through this earthquake experience? And one of the things that came through strongly from that um, conversation was that we needed to work together cooperatively and locally. And so they put us in little groups of um, Pastors. So there was me, uh, there was Dougie, and there was Anthony Rymel, who some of you will know, who used to be here, then at Rickerton Baptist. And we had a really good chat, and we all seemed quite enthused about it, and we decided that we would um, meet up in a cafe to talk some more, and we did. And at the end of the time at the cafe, I said to Doug, um, I think maybe you and I need to have a longer chat, just you and I. We might have a few things to um, work through. And so we met up um, at the local pub another week later, and I said, look, you've probably picked up that I'm not that crazy about you, and you nodded. And I said, look, there's some stuff that's gone down that I've never talked to you, with you about that I, I need to put on the table if we're gonna work together. And a few things earlier in my time um, as a pastor, I'd heard Doug speak. And I'd picked up the vibe from him that he really didn't like his church all that much. And for me, um, that was quite hard because I relate to the church like um, I was raised by a solo parent, my mum. I relate to the church like my mother. So if you mess with the church, we're fighting. Um... And so I had to unpack some of that stuff and some of the things that I'd heard. And we'd been in a cell group together and Doug had said a few things and I thought, oh, no, no, I don't think I'm going to stay in this group. Um, And so we put it on the table and we talked and it was good. Do you want to pick up the story? So um, uh, when you dropped into my life, Rod, was... um I guess late 2007, 2008, and um, so my story was, um, 
I had been called clearly by God to pastor a local church, Avonhead Baptist Church. However, once upon once uh, accepting the call over the next few months, about a third of the church left, and um, many of them very unceremonially, in fact, appallingly. And um, so here I was, a first-time pastor, um, uh, never done this before, and um, and I was just hanging on uh, under huge rejection. Add to that the local Baptist pastors. Um, uh, seemed to treat me with great suspicion because I'd come in for, kind of from the outside and, um, and uh, so they wouldn't talk to me. Uh, I'd go to Baptist gatherings and I felt the distance between us. And um, even the um, local Baptist leader, he confirmed that to me, uh, exactly what they thought of me. And um, so, bro, you were just another uh, apple on the tree of judgment, really that I was experiencing. And so it was more rejection. Um, and so, um, so from 2007, so this started then, and then um, uh, by 2009, um, I was still trying to hang on um, uh, tight. And um, Sharon had a, uh, my wife had a kidney transplant. And um, if anyone knows about that, um, the next three months are a particularly vulnerable time. and we would have to gather with all the other people at eight o'clock every morning, um, with all the other people that had kidney transplants at that time, and there was about or so about about 15 of us, and sometimes you'd go there and someone was missing, and i say, where are they? And most likely they died. And um, so um, quite a few, some of them did in that time. So it was a particularly vulnerable time, and no one asked how I was, and, um, then after that, um, in, in about 2009, I had 39 hits of radiation for cancer, and again, I was alone on that journey. And um, so when the earthquakes came, they were just in the flow of my life, really. It wasn't anything um, more than my life had already been an earthquake for some years. And, um, and so um, I guess I'd have to say, right, when you came into my life, was one of the most difficult periods of my life, actually. And, um, but you didn't know that. <laughs> Never clear about that. Back to you, bro. We talked at the pub. And my opening gambit was, I've got some things I need to say to you, and I apologise for not talking with you years before, because it has accumulated. And when we started to talk, we quickly discovered that we each were not as bad as the other imagined. Um, I learned, as I've got to know you, that you often, what you say is not what you mean, and it can come out a lot worse than it really is, and that your heart's a good heart. And we'd been there for, oh, I don't know, probably an hour and a half, and I, not knowing Doug, didn't know he hadn't been in a pub for about 25 years at this stage. Um, it was just a place, a public place that was um, open late in the afternoon. And I had bought him a ginger ale, I think it was, and myself a wee wine. And so he said, oh, look, I'll get the next round. I said, oh, cool. Anyway, he comes back with this goblet that's about this big. It's got 300 mils of wine in it. And I'm looking at him and thinking, well, we're going to have to talk for a long time now, buddy, before I'm ready to hop in a car. <laughs> um, the Scotsman in me wasn't going to leave it there. <laughs> 
Um, so we're there for a couple of hours. Now, how did that happen, Doug? Um, how, did, how did what happen? The wine. Oh, the wine. Well, um, my background, uh, I'm a sharer, ex-sharer. So um, and, and, uh, when I used to, when I was growing up, um, you never give a man a half a glass of uh, uh, booze. And so, um, so when the guy, I'm at the bar, said, oh, uh, he said, the guy wants a wine. I didn't, didn't remember what it's called. I think it might have been a house one or something, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I'd never heard of these things before. You know, in my day, you didn't drink wine. You, you drank uh, top shelf or beer. But anyway, um, so when he's put it out, he, he only put a little bit in it. I thought, mate, you don't give a guy um, half a glass or something. So I'll fill her up, mate. You know? And next thing, I'm paying $22 for his blinking wine. And um, <laughs> for a guy who's only trying to learn to like, you know, and um, I thought, mate. If it had all gone badly, it would have been a good day for me. <laughs> I know, mate. This is a huge investment. <laughs> But anyway, um, so he took his wine over to him, and if I remember rightly, right, um, I left, and you had to wait another hour before. Yeah, I was there for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, um, what happened for me that day was um, um, finally within the circle, within the circle I was in, um, someone wanted to open up and be vulnerable with me, and um, so I was very comfortable to be vulnerable with you, and. Um, in actual fact, um, it was very easy to open up to you, and um, and we recovered wonderfully. And um, so, bro, I'd like to I'd like to thank you for that day. I remember that day, um, not just for the twenty-two dollar um, uh, glass of wine, <laughs> but um, but for just the way that um, your heart and my heart um, were able to um, uh, come together. And I. I moved from liking you then through to um, to loving you, bro. Yeah, you know, love you too, buddy. Because um, we become really good mates, and um, we talked through all our seeming differences. And and really, what came out of that ride was that um, uh, we were able to start a relationship um, that came out of um, a conflicting. Um, uh, beliefs or whatever between each other to something that had a lot of depth right from the word go which is um, which has made our relationship I think a really rich relationship so thank you bro good on you grandpa give us a hug bro <laughs> thank you my grandson <laughs> so I guess you've kind of figured that we're we're going to be talking a bit about conflict today and um, my job, I, um, I, work, I work for um, the Presbyterian Church now and um, I have a role in the East of Christchurch where I, um, myself and Sharon actually, uh, uh, I'm, I wander around the East of Christchurch and I, um, uh, I engage with people in um, what I call conflict resolution in a holistic way and um, I work with men and, um, and I, we, we, we journey our conflicts together and then they take that home and they start to journey those things with their wives and their wider whanau and, um, and over the course of time incredible things happen. So today is, our, is the first of two Sundays talking about conflict resolution we will only be just touching the sides, really, on a very deep and interesting subject that affects every one of us in this room today. 
every one of us, and, uh, and I have discovered that many of us deal with conflict in ways that are far from the way Jesus modelled his followers to do. I became interested in conflict resolution personally many years ago when I was honest enough to own up to God that I was afraid of conflict. In fact, I didn't have a language for it. I didn't know what to do when I got into conflict. And Jesus then set about healing and restoring me to a lifestyle of freedom and to be able to be truly available to myself and others through conflict resolution. Rod's in my experience was, was helpful in this journey of learning. In fact, I've done most of my learning through the conflicts I've walked into and discovered stuff for myself. So let's take a look at an engagement of conflict from the Old Testament and maybe do some reflection on it and see where we get to. And so it's um, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. Now, as we do that, I'm going to read it through, then we're going to break it down a bit, and I'm going to offer you the opportunity to, um, to uh, give me some of your reflections as we kind of talk about this. But this is an amazing scripture. Genesis 16, 1 to 9. Now, now Sarah, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian slave whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, You see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go, in, go into my slave. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her slave, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived. Interesting language, eh? He went into Hagar and she received, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Your slave is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Whew. Interesting, eh? An interesting engagement here. So here's the Ab Abraham, the father of our faith, and um, when I look at that, I'm astounded by um, what was going on here. So let's just break that down a bit. And remember, we're talking about conflict here. And boy, were they in conflict, weren't they? They're incredible conflict, eh? And let's reflect on what could be happening and maybe what could be different. So I'm going to invite you to um, respond. I'm going to read it out from uh, the NIV, which I, 
I kind of um, uh, uh, like a wee bit better uh, uh, the, the um, terminology in this. So I'm going to read the first two verses. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So when you think about, I want you to think about what do you think's happening for Sarah here? What do you think is going on for her? Abraham's, uh, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So, so she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. What do you think may have been happening for Sarah at that time? What do you think might have been going on for her? Remember, culturally, in the day, apparently that's the sort of thing that would happen. If a woman couldn't have a baby, she would offer her husband another woman. But what do you think, when you listen to that story, what do you think was actually happening for Sarah? What was, what was something else that may have been going on that she never actually talked about? Anyone got some thoughts? Shame, yeah. What else? Yep, yeah. What's that? Failure. Failure. Far out. Grief. What was that? Sorry. I couldn't get that one. Acceptance, yeah, lack of acceptance. Rejection, yeah, mate. But she never said that, eh? She never said those words to her husband. So, um, so, um, so at that particular time in their marriage, they lacked vulnerability together, eh? They actually lacked the ability to say what's really happening. Maybe Sarah never trusted her husband. Interesting, eh? And so um, I wonder, you might say, actually, was Sarah being honest? Was she actually saying what's really happening for her? You might say she was being dishonest. By the way, I'm not saying Sarah's the problem here and Aaron's the good guy. We'll come to that later. Um, I wonder, um, if you take a moment, do you identify with Sarah in any way? If you think about conflicts you're in. Me and Rod weren't honest with each other for five years. It was five years. This one was ten years, actually. It was ten years later. When, when, um, so we weren't honest with each other from 2007 to 2012. We had this thing between us. I know some uh, conflicts where um, it's all of life all the way through life, where it never actually gets dealt with. Do you identify with Sarah in any way? Are there times when you don't, or I don't, reveal what's really going on for, for you or me? Have you ever looked at why you can't do that? That's an interesting journey. See, when we look at that, then maybe Jesus might come in and do some work with us with that. We're going to talk a bit more about that next week, where Jesus really works with conflict. So that was Sarah. But what about Abraham? So Abraham, what does he do? He agrees with what Sarah says. 
So I wonder what's happening for Abraham. What do you think's happening for Abraham right now? Disappointment? Yes, yes, that would be right, yeah. What else? Right, failure to make a right decision. What else might be happening for him? Not trusting God? Yep, yeah. Maybe he likes to look at Hagar, yep, yep. He's probably giving her a wink. However, um, I wonder whether at this point in his marriage, not only is Sarah not trusting Abraham, but Abraham is actually disengaged from his wife emotionally. Because he's not asking the, the drop-down question, is he? He's not asking you, darling, what's really happening for you? All right? By the way, this will be proved in about four or five verses' time. Isn't it the role of a husband to be able to see into his wife's pain and help her to find freedom? If I, if I think of what it says in Ephesians about the role of a, of a husband, of, uh, is, um, it's his role. I know this is really old-fashioned, actually, but it's part of a husband's role is to lead his wife into freedom. That's, that's part of his role as a, as a husband. You see, Abraham was really passive towards his wife's needs at that time. Really passive. How many times do we find ourselves in this passive place? Oh, just do what you want. It's entirely over to you. I remember one time um, we got our house painted inside and we got it painted one colour throughout the whole house which is unusual for us because normally we like lots of different colours and um, but anyway we got it painted this colour and, and a wee while later myself and Shannon had a bit of an argument about it and said I didn't want to paint this colour anyway she said Doug you never said I never said right that was passive I actually didn't like the colour but I never said well and she said well you had plenty of chances to say why didn't you say anything? See, I was, I was passive. And so therefore, I had to put up with it. Have you ever taken time to discover what that's about for you? I had to take some time and look at that. Why am I passive? Why, do, why is it times I, I kind of disengage? Verse 3 and 4. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, Sarah his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar and she conceived. Seems to me that in 10 years they never engaged with the issue. It hung between them for 10 years. It was never talked about. As I said before, sometimes unresolved conflict stays with us for a long time, sometimes our whole lives. I wonder what unresolved conflicts you and I are holding here today 
that have been with us for long periods of our lives. I wonder what could happen for us as we take the risk to open up about them. So now the mess gets worse. Hagar, a third party now, uh, the, the conflict starts to broaden. Interesting with conflicts, eh? They often actually start to get a bit, bit wider. She knew she was pregnant. She began to despise her mistress. Verse 5 and 6. Here's it gets really good. It starts to heat up now. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Woohoo! What's going on there? You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Woo! It's pretty hot, eh? Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you please. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. What do you think is happening for Sarah right now? What's that? Jealous. Jealous? Yep. What else? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So what's she doing with Abraham right now? Is she projecting her pain on him? She's projecting projecting it, eh? Right? You see, God's really nowhere in this, eh? For her, even though she's saying, may the Lord, so she starts, gives the old spiritual bickies to him, you know, boom, may the Lord judge between you and me, right? But in actual fact, God's really not in the picture at all, is he? You know? It's interesting what happens when we get into conflict. As I said in my first church, boy, did I see some long-term Christians act really badly when they got pinched. They didn't help this new kid on the block at all. He really needed some help. No, no, these long-term Christians, been around for a long time, they were often, um, and as I said, some, I, mean, I had people eyeball to eyeball right in front of me, telling me how bad it was. Right? It, was um, it was a pretty scary time, and these were long-term Christians. Jesus was nowhere to be found in that conflict for people. And it's the same here. Right? God's nowhere to be found in this conflict right now. He is there though. Right? So, so in verse 1, Sarah was internalizing her feelings, wasn't she? She was holding it in. Here we are in verse 5. Now she's projecting her pain on Abraham. She shifted. She even brings God into it. This is not a person who knows how to share her feelings well. That's a struggle for many of us, I've found. And that's a journey for us to, um, to work through. It's a part of our Christian maturity is to be able to, um, to be able to own what's happening for us and being able to share that in a way that um, helps us engage with others. Myself and Rod got there. That's what built 
our loving friendship with each other. So what about Abraham? What's going on for Abraham? Well, he say, just do with her whatever you please. See, Abraham hasn't shifted at all, has he? I suspect that um, if they had neighbours next door, the neighbours would be hearing Sarah. They wouldn't hear a word out of Abraham. And what, the, what would probably happen is that the neighbours would say, gosh, that Sarah's a bad girl. Listen to her yelling and screaming. Abraham's a good guy. Interesting, eh? Interesting, actually, you know. Um, often it's the one who, who's putting it out who looks like the bad person because they're making the noise. Right? But in actual fact, I would say she's hugely frustrated with her husband. Hugely frustrated with him. You see, he's disengaged. They actually can't do conflict together to actually grow, to grow their relationship deeper. You see, actually, it's a funny thing, but I found that conflict done well is really good for us. It was really good for me and Rod. It took our relationship deeper. Sarah's struggling right now to engage with her husband, therefore their relationship can't go deeper. You see, we miss rich opportunities to actually engage well when we choose to be anything but truthful about how we feel towards someone else. I suspect Abraham saw uh, Sarah as dangerous. Just quickly to finish off, um, he's stonewalling, isn't he? He's trying to control the situation, I suspect. See, we are created as holistic human beings. We're spiritual beings, emotional beings, intellectual beings, physical beings, and social beings. That's what Jesus meant when he says that, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbour as yourself. He's talking about those five, five aspects of the way we were created out of the dust. Abraham never shifted in ten years. Abraham never once engaged with his wife's pain. So who's the problem here? Well, Sarah's making all the noise. She can easily look upon as the problem. She's the dangerous one. But Abraham is emotionally disconnected from his wife. No noise at all from him. Which of these spaces have you found yourself in or do you find yourself in right now? Are you in the Sarah seat or the Abraham chair? What made Jesus be saying to you about this today? Who could you talk to? Is there a journey of reconciling a broken relationship awaiting you? Just to finish on verse 9, the angel said to her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The ultimate and beautiful goal, as it was for Rod and myself, that conflict be resolved in peace. And Jesus walks with us when we are open to him to allow him to do that. Can we stand together?
and we'll pray. Lord, um, there will be many things that have crossed our hearts and our minds today as we've listened to this story of Abraham and Sarah. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you called us to be peacemakers. So Lord, we pray as we, um, as we go through this week, Father, that Lord, you'd, you'd nudge our hearts around all of our relationships, all of the people around our lives. Maybe it's a husband and wife. Maybe it's with children or, or parents. Maybe it's in the workplace. But Lord, each of us, Lord, has, has conflict. Maybe it's just internal. Maybe I'm conflicted inside. Maybe our conflict's with you. Lord, we pray as we open our hearts to you, Lord. And that you show us, you guide us, Lord, into places where... Um, there may be a distance between me and someone else or me and you. Be with us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please stand. I'm just going to pray again, just quickly. Um, Lord, we ask you today to strengthen us against the temptations of this world and help us see this world through your eyes. Let your eyes be ours. Let you be our wisdom. Let you be our sword and shield against this fallen, broken world. Amen. I'll finish with the song called Be Thou My Vision. Bye.
the service with benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and ever. Amen. Thank you so much.